This is not any was any nasihat or anything of the sort to anyone. This is merely just on the hukam to relate whatever little will be possible now with regards to the life of Hazrat Mawlana Yunus Patil Sahib who was my elder brother and whatever little that might come is only purely on the note of that Inshallah it becomes a means of some benefit for me, benefit for all of us. So this is the niyat with which these few words are being said. <coughs> as far as Hazrat life was concerned, obviously this is not a biography. This is just some incidents from his life at random, there won't be any real tartib in it also. But just things that as they come to mind, inshallah, all these things will be of some benefit to us. Once somebody mentioned to the Malna while towards the latter part of his life, something they mentioned about his biography. So Malna, his tawazu, which was really something that Allah Ta'ala had blessed him with tremendously. So his response to that was that my biography will be written at the on the back of a postage stamp. Meaning that's all you'll get to write. That behind the space behind the postage stamp, that's much you'll be able to write about it. But the reality is very, very different. That indeed volumes can be written. Alhamdulillah some work has started, some people have started doing something, compiling some things. Allah knows when it will reach its completion because it's such a mammoth task. But indeed volumes can be written about his life. But just some slight glimpses, which inshallah will be a means of some encouragement for us. And alhamdulillah, this is something that is common among all the akabirs, all the great ulama kiram, all the mashayikh, all our kabir in fact, that these things that we will discuss, the incidents would differ, but the principal issues are the same. That these sifat are across the board. There's a beautiful kitab, Mufti Salman Mansur Puri Sahib, Dam Barakatuhum. He's written a beautiful kitab titled, that, Ahlullah ki Maqbooliyat ka Raaz. That the secret behind the Maqbooliyat of the Ahlullah. And the khulasa of the whole kitab is that there are certain sifat and qualities which all of these people, they possess these qualities. Then it played out in somebody's life in one way, somebody's life in another way, but the common factor was sifat. Alhamdulillah, in all our present day Akabir also, these are the sifat that we see in them. And likewise, as the Mawinu Sahib, this 
is the aspect in his life as well that Allah Ta'ala had blessed him with these sifat and this is what made him flourish, what made his work flourish. There was tremendous maqbooliyat Allah Ta'ala had granted him. That maqbooliyat was something that was very very evident especially in the latter part of his life. What were the asbab of that maqbooliyat is the same sifat which we will inshallah touch on some of those things. But the level of maqbooliyat was really something that is not very common where just to understand it that after Ma passed away there were several, many people, not one or two, many people who when you'd meet them so they would get talking about Ma'ana without fail that would happen initially and many people mentioned this to me that when I heard about the demise of Ma'ana I felt that grief which I didn't feel on the demise of my father, somebody, his mother but the beauty part of it was or the ajeeb part of it see, but I had no formal taluk with him I barely attended some programs once in a while maybe some Jummah I was there I had no formal taluk with him I was not even closely associated with him so I myself was surprised that what is this fine he was a very great alim he was somebody who was of a very high caliber but I wasn't uh, attached to him closely I didn't have any close relationship with him why am I feeling like this but this was the effect of that maqbooliyat in the hadith sharif which is in mishkat sharif etc where it's mentioned that when Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala loves someone Allah ta'ala says to Jibreel salatu wasalam I love so and so you should also love him the Jibreel salatu wasalam makes the announcement in the heavens that Allah ta'ala loves so and so I love him you also should also love him then summa yuhda'u lahul qabulu fil ard and then the qabuliyat and acceptance for him descends upon the earth. This qabuliyat that comes from top down, that is true qabuliyat. That which a person tries to garner for himself from down up by trying to get people to support him in some way and convincing people to become mu'taqid of him, etc. And sarahatan, dalalatan, kinayatan, whichever way it might be. That is something which is, there's no reality in it. But that which comes from the side of Allah Ta'ala, and which is expressed in this Hadith Sharif. Alhamdulillah, all our Kabir, all our presently Kabir also, we find the same aspect in them. And this was something very, very prominent in the life of Allah. Even in his lifetime, that was a very common thing. People would, sometimes, many a times, a person would meet him. He had come, traveled from Johannesburg for some other purpose. He doesn't know Mawana from anywhere. He hadn't come to meet him specifically. But, he says, no, I wanted to just come and attend one salah behind him, just hear one of his talks at least. Person is not even somebody very closely, well, what we might say, involved in deen as such. But that was the extent of Kabuliyat. After my passed away, one person, one, one of the ulama of Durban had been in England at that time. When that news came of others passing away. So he says there was such an outpouring of that same muhabbat there as well. And many people told him that you don't realize that what this was had done to our lives. Many people said that our lives revolved around his programs. That the time that those programs are audio streamed, we would know beforehand. And those particular days that the majalis would take place. says the rest of the day, everything will be juggled around that. That would be the most important part of that day. And any other work, anything that had to be done, if it was something that's going to clash in that time, it would be put aside. Or it would be taken to another time. But that would be given priority and the whole family would gather around and all would listen attentively 
and he says, we don't know what transformation this brought into our lives. Now people sitting in other corners of the world and we're not. And after my passed away, I cannot remember the count now of how many emails we received where people are writing now to say, I heard about the passing away of this personality. I hadn't even heard about him while he was alive. But I only got to know about it now. And I have just heard one or two now of his, one or two talks of his that I downloaded. I'm finding this the biggest regret of my life that I didn't get to know this person while he was alive. And I'm finding such an impact on my life already. And this was actually something that was a reality that perhaps the amount of benefit that people took from him in his lifetime that increased after he passed away. That continued and increased after he passed away via whatever his writings were, his talks that were recorded, etc. So in general, this was Allah Ta'ala had blessed him with this tremendous maqbuliyat. But as mentioned, this maqbuliyat, this is something attached to sifat. And these sifat, what are these sifat? There are numerous of these sifat. But just in my little understanding, certain things which I think were very, very, uh, aspects which had a very profound influence in the whole issue that were very fundamentally impacting on that maqbulia that Allah Ta'ala blessed him with. So some of these things, as they come to mind, as I mentioned, there won't be any tartib in the incidents. Something might be, something that happened in the latter part of his life might come first and something happened earlier might come last as well. Among the things that come to mind, one is that he took du'as. He took a lot of du'as. He took du'as He took du'as of our parents and tremendous du'as and I believe that that was one of the first things that had such a deep impact During the latter part of my Barhum father's life there were times when I happened to be there at night after my Barhuma mother had passed away, Allah filled their covers with nur. So sometimes I would spend the night there. So this was his mamul, tahajjud, etc. And then he would make dua for a long time. And his dua would be in a little bit of a raised voice. So on occasion I had that occasion to overhear the duas. And in those duas he would make excessive dua for the mamul as well. Apart from duas for everybody else. When my Marhum father became quite elderly and was but sickly also at that time, this was around 85, just the time when I went to Azadmul to study. So he retired from work, he was just working in a shop as an assistant. It was a very basic salary, but he couldn't continue working, so he had to stop, retire. But uh, there wasn't any, any form of any income as such now. But as soon as he couldn't work anymore, he decided to stop working with great haste to the monarch prepared a separate section alongside his house where he brought my parents. I had just come away to Azadbal at that time to study so there was nobody else at home with them. And he actually forced them to come over. They were very independent also in a way. They didn't want to give anybody any taklif. But he insisted and he created the separate section for them and took care of all their needs despite himself just being earning as well a salary. Not that he had any big income from his side. So this also was something that despite whatever his 
other efforts where his work was, his busy schedule was, all that in the last 15 years of their life, they stayed with him. And though on my Barhuma mother's insistence, he had the separate kitchen for her, but the house was all joined and he would go out of his way to take care of them, make their khidmat. So one was the khidmat that he made of his parents, our parents and the du'as he took from them. And every now and then, my Baruma mother also would hear from her something or the other, if that subject came up, there would be some du'as. This is something, unfortunately, often we don't understand or don't realize the full benefit of this, or how great this is, useful. In any case, that is something tremendously important and which, mashallah, everybody understands that and takes those du'as as well. Then he took the du'as of many pious people. Now this is one incident which itself brings so many other aspects in it. Besides du'as, there's so many other issues involved in it. Among the many pious people's du'as that he took, one was Hazrat Haji Bhai Pajah Sahib Rahmatullah The incident of his Mawlana with Hazrat Haji Bhai Pajah Sahib Rahmatullah this has been recorded in Haji Bhai Pajah Rahmatullah little brief biography that was printed some time ago. But just for that benefit of it, I will repeat it, that when Haji Bhai Pajah Rahmatullah came back from India after the four months for the first time, and introducing the work of Dawat to South Africa. And up to that point, this was something totally unknown in this country. Apart from maybe one or two people, few people who had gone perhaps overseas and might have met Prasad Mahayus Rahmatullah at that time and whoever. Otherwise it was unknown. So in any case, when he returned, so in the Grey Street Masjid, which is well-known masjid, at that time it was open to everybody. So, Ma'a says that he saw a notice on the board that on certain night, it was the same night or the night after, there will be a talk by Ma'ana Ghulam Muhammad Padia. He wasn't an alim, but now he went for four months and came. This was something unique for everybody. So they thought perhaps he came back as an alim. So this was the title they put it with. In any case, he was, he was somebody that created ulama. He may not have been a formal alim, but he became the means of maybe not hundreds, thousands of ulama. In any case, he saw this, so he said, well, let him participate as well. So, Hajibai Padre then gave the talk, since he had a stammer in his voice, so he wasn't very clear. He used to talk a lot of the good part of the talk was in Gujarati. The audience would understand that. And... He was trying to explain the work which was totally unknown to the people, so nobody really understood what he was trying to say. Because it was something totally new. They hadn't heard anything about it, they didn't know what he's getting at. So because it was totally unknown to them, they didn't even understand what he's saying to them. Any case, finally the talk was over, so now he started making tashkil. That who's going to assist me in this? Everybody's looking at one another, assist him in this, what does he mean assist him in this? So Allah says that first it was Hadi Bhai's father-in-law who was an elderly person. He stood up and said, okay, I'll assist you. In any case, he sat down. Now he's asking again, who will assist me? Allah says that it came in my heart. And now this is the other very prominent quality that was in him. As we started off by saying, came to his heart. He really had a heart. And he had an ajeeb heart. So he says, came to my heart. 
that this person, whatever it is, I still, I also don't understand what he's asking for, what help he wants, but somebody is asking for help. So whatever help he wants, I should, get, should offer something. I really don't know what he wants, but how can I just ignore this plea for help? So because somebody was asking for help, he couldn't ignore it. And this was a prominent quality throughout his life. From anyone and everyone, anyone who came for any help, that person never went without some help. Whoever it was, however, whatever, some would come and even pester him repeatedly. Some he would even reprimand them, but they would leave with something too. One day it was a Sunday morning, there was some mehman he was sitting with at his house, and one old African woman was shouting outside, she was selling something. So she came to the gate, she's selling something. So now it was a Sunday morning at about 10, 11 o'clock. Small chain day, so this old lady now, it's a hot morning and she's selling something. So I asked her whatever she's selling. So I asked her, how many do you have of this? So whatever items, number she had, how much it is. So he bought the whole lot. He bought the whole lot and he gave her the money. And he said to her, you see everybody is today resting with their families. Today you also go rest with your family. So there's the money. And then that Mehman was there, he gave him some. He said, I will take some of you, give others. But he bought off everything that she had, just so that, sh- that Shafqat, he was overwhelmed with the Shafqat. And it was something difficult for him to pass without doing something for someone. Anybody in need, in fact, I can recall, this was very, very long ago, as when I was still in my school days, and when I would be sometimes in Durban, and while passing somebody, total stranger, that time things were a little safe also, total stranger is hitching a lift, he couldn't pass by, he had to give the person a lift. Sometimes others who were in the, they were sort of reprimand him, so to say, or scold him in a sense, that how can you just pick anybody up, you don't know the person from anywhere. You know, I looked, okay, person is hitching a lift now, how can you just leave him, he needs a lift. This was a shafta that was in his life, in his heart, and this, consideration that he had. This is also not a masla issue, but he always thought first of others. Unfortunately now, our situation is very different. One of the things, as I said, is not a masla issue, but he was not fond of bribes. And the issue behind it was that it is known that if there is a bribe taking place, then the fragrance of that goes right through the whole neighborhood. And his Thinking behind it was that there are many people living in the neighborhood who cannot afford this, who would never probably have something like this in the whole year. But now they will also smell something happening, and this is going to bring certain feelings in them, that I am deprived of this, and this person can have it. So to avoid that pain to somebody else's heart, he was not fond of this. He was something, as I said, not a masla issue. It's not something that is a fatwa or something. But again, the lesson of this consideration, this consideration for others, this is something that was very, very deep in his heart. And whether it was somebody who wanted help at the late hour of the night, whether it was a help of some advice, whether it was some other financial issue, but he had an ajib heart. He could not refuse anybody something. So this was the same heart that he had which made him now give his name. Now he says that that time he used to be, he used to very fondly mention this, very fondly is a very big word on this note, that you say that I was a standard nine failure. It was something out of 90 students, 60 were failed. Whatever something happened, so he was also out of that 60 that were failed in the standard nine. 
So he decided this is enough. There was a lot of encouragement to continue and redo that year. He said enough is enough. And this happened just at that time. So he stood up and he gave his name. That I will join. So the people asked him, what are you going to help? 17 year old he was at that time. What are you going to assist as a 17 year old young? He said, I don't even know. I'll ask him after this now what he wants from me. So in any case, the program was over. Hadi Bhai Padia says that now they're going to be going to Amzinto from Durban. They're going to go be going to Amzinto, so he must join them. So he said, very well. My grandparents used to live in Amzinto at that time too. So he thought, very well, I'll get a chance to go and visit them. So he jumped in. And when they came to Amzinto, so Hadi Bhai says that, well, tonight you're going to sleep in the masjid. I'm going to sleep in the masjid. Now this was an extremely strange thing for him. Because nobody used to ever sleep in the masjid. This is only at the calf, and then at the calf also sometimes one person only. I remember in Durban one person, one masjid, he was showing me the few things. An old picture there was there of the, oh, something of the masjid, the previous masjid that had been then demolished and rebuilt. So he says in that old masjid here was the mic, the azan mic. And now the azan mic is giving one incident that every Ramadan, when the time for etikaf would come, then one person would get ready for the etikaf. Whoever it might be, not even the same person. After a lot of coaxing, one person would get ready. One of the things, among the things that they would give him, the hidayat. Hidayat will be to come and show him, where's the mic, where's the switch for it. That at night, anything happens, you come shout in the mic. <laughs> because it was like taken for granted, something, some jinnat are going to trouble him, or something's going to happen. So this is his now escape route. You just come switch this, switch on and you shout in the mic. Somebody will come help you. <laughs> So this was the issue that nobody could imagine anybody staying in the masjid. Now Haji Sahib said to him that I'm going to be staying in the masjid. This, all these thoughts he says started crossing my mind. This man is going to stay in the masjid alone. How am I going to leave him alone? I can't leave him alone. Again that heart. That heart filled with compassion that he is 17 years old and this elderly person is going to, whatever his age was at that time, Haji Sahib but now I can't leave him alone, whatever it is now, but I'm going to have to give him company. So as a result, he stayed over. And then he mentioned the whole incident about late at night, how Hadisa woke up and he noticed, he went, went and made wuzu, etc. and came. And he was now uh, just still in his sleeping bag or whatever, pretending to be sleeping, but he's observing what's going on. And then for one hour, Hadisa was engaged in, after some nawafil, in dua for one hour. And in that dua, he wept from beginning till end. And in that dua, Ma says that I heard him make some dua for me also. Now, when which dua, Allah knows best which dua gets answered for who and where it can take a person. So, in any case, this was again an incident of dua that he took. And then he continued taking these duas. For a long time, he was among the very first people that joined Haistab on his safar. In any case, this was the journey into his next phase of life. That was towards the end of his schooling. And then he moved on to Darlum Deoband, which was a time of great sacrifice, very difficult conditions. He has discussed this in detail in many places. There is no time to go into those details, but they studied under very, very trying conditions. I remember when the first time after I had gone to Darlumazadwal, and he had come, so I took him along to show him our room. So now, those who have seen, rather because of the extremely cold winters, so the rooms are designed in such a way that every room, which is for our 10 students, so there's an attached bathroom and toilet with it. 
So he came, walked in, and he said, MashaAllah, you all are living in five-star conditions here. And then he mentioned some about the aspect of they stay in Dalum Deoband. And one of the things that he mentioned at that time, that in winter it used to be so cold, and at that time there was no arrangement from the Madrasa side for breakfast. You do your own thing for breakfast. Perhaps it's still the same now, Allah Alam. So they would make their own tea on a primer stove. The primer stove, you put paraffin in it, and you go to... And he says that primer stove, so the tea would be made in an enamel mug. It would be so cold that while sipping the tea or you eating something, then you leave the tea on that lit stove. Because you keep it down for a half a minute or one minute, the tea will already be cold. In that kind of condition. And then the food was the food of the madrasa prepared on the standard of the local students, which was a very difficult thing for foreigners to eat. But that was it. And that is what they lived with. But this Qurbani then went on. Among the very close Asatiza, Alhamdulillah, he had been very close to all his Ustads, from those who had studied in his time with him. Father Bufti Suleiman Pandorsa was one of his colleagues, and many others among those who are still alive, Bufti Suleiman Sahib. So, any case, from what they mentioned once, that he used to be very close to his Asatiza, very involved in their Khidmat. Among the Asatiza was Mufti Mahmud Gangohi, Alhamdulillah, what we had witnessed ourselves when Hazrat Mishra come to South Africa, especially in the early days, before when Hazrat became very much more known in South Africa, but when he came in the early days and Hazrat Sheikh Ramtul Ali came for the first time and then he used to come regularly, for a good amount of days, it would be only Hazrat Maulana taking him around the whole of KZN. And he would be in his khidmat and throughout, and very close attachment, lot of du'as, lot of opportunities of khidmat that he grabbed with both hands. Then among his asatiza was Hazrat Shaykh Fakhruddin Rahmatullahi. Allah used to talk very fondly of him. And he was to be very much in his khidmat. There were many occasions when Hazrat Shaykh Fakhruddin Rahmatullahi had made suffer in India. He had come to Gujarat. He had been uh, invited for the first, for the iftita of Bukhari Sharif in Tergeshwar, etc. So Allah used to accompany him on these asfar. And throughout the safar, he used to be in his khidmat, etc. And there are many incidents he used to mention about him. Just one incident that comes to mind, which is all linked that these are the personalities that he took that face from. Says Hazrat Fakhruddin Ali, he was 94, 95 years old at that time. And he used to teach Bukhari Sharif, the first jilb. So the madrasa time that he was required to teach was one hour in the day. That was the official time that he was required to teach, the one period. So he used to teach that one period and then for the bulk of the year from 8 o'clock at night till midnight, on the dot at 12 o'clock he used to stop the sabak. Four hours in one stretch, sitting in one hayat, he used to describe the manner he used to sit also with his elbow on the desk and leaning his chin on his uh, palm on his fist and he would just sit at that age, 94, 95 years old and four hour dars he would give. And this was his karamat, which I heard from Hazrat Muhammad Abdul Hamid Sahib Barakatuhum many times as well, that because of his age, etc., he could not keep his wuzu. Sometimes in one salah he would repeat his wuzu several times. So the Muftian told him also, you already mazur, you can continue, but he used to still insist on repeating his wuzu. But his karamat was that he used to give that dars of four hours with one wuzu. 
any case, the one incident that was actually meant to be, which came to mind was, which has, I should mention this many times. I cannot recall exactly how many times, but I heard it from him directly many times. And he says once, Fakhruddin Ali became very, he was very ill, so he still uh, thought that whole four hours. When that four hours finished, and he says without any watch in front of him, exactly when it was that 12 o'clock, without looking at any watch, any clock, he would say, Ab to Allah, Allah, khair, salah, dua karlo. That was his takya kalam at the end of the dars. So he says that day he said, Moisab, aaj to bohat thak gaye. Aaj to bohat thakan ho gaye. Any case, Moisab, etc. Some other satis they used to carry him, put him on the wheelchair, bring him to the room. So when they brought him to the room, so Moisab says that I said to him, he was very close to him, some degree of better kalufi as well. So he said, I said to him, Hazrat, aaj itni thakan bhi thi ya bimar bhi hai. Today we shall just make chutti. You are not well as well. So this is something that Mawlana used to always bring this up for this point. You see, his reply was that Arey Mawlana Sahib, Ham to dunya ke kutte hai. Tanha lekar parhate hai. He says this was his response to that. That one hour he was teaching full, plus this four hours of his own accord. And this was his response. Ham to dunya ke kutte hai. Tanha lekar parhate hai. So these are the type of personalities that he took this benefit from. On this note, we are talking about du'as. He took a lot of du'as of Sheikh Fahruddin Ali. And he had great a'tamad in his asatiza. And he took their nasihat to heart. This brings us to another lesson as well. The one who explained that when finally the time came for him to return to South Africa. So he went along meeting his asatiza, taking the du'as again, taking some nasihat from them. So among the people he came to meet was Sheikh Fakhruddin Rahmatullah So he came, met him and then he asked for some nasihat. So he said the nasihat he gave me was he said you put deen in front of you put the dunya behind you and inshallah Allah will take care of all your affairs. Now this was the nasihat that he gave him. So the Muhammad took this nasihat to heart to such an extent that when he returned, so there was an opening or there was a need in a little town of Moirava, which is still can be called a little town. That time it was even more little. Small little town and well there was a need there because that time in the whole of, let alone, uh, in fact the whole of Natal, they perhaps were about maybe, maybe in Durban itself there might have been four or five Oloma. The rest of Natal, there were less than a dozen. The whole of KZN. One dozen is too much. Maybe about five, six on the mind. The whole of that province. Besides maybe the few that were in Durban, one, two in Marisburg. So now there was this need there, this whole area was without any alim. So he took up this post. I recall the house because I was about four, five years old. And my father had gone in Jamaat for a for an extended time at that time again. So with my mother, we stayed there for a period of time. So I have a vague picture of that in my mind still. Wooden iron house. There was no geezer. It was... And the winters there are very, very cold. Even now, extremely cold. That ice would actually seep in from the cracks and so on. And outside used to be completely white with frost in the mornings. And in that house, he lived for several years. 
without any of that comforts and luxuries. And he was being given a salary at that time of 90 rands a month, which was sufficient to take care of the basic needs. But even in that time, according to those standards also, it was a lower than average salary. But fine, his basic needs were getting taken care of. He couldn't afford to have a car, for example. So once in a while, maybe two, three times a year, he would travel from Moirava all the way to Stanger to come visit our parents. So he would travel with his family and one child at that time by hitching a lift from one point to the next, then from that point to the next, and finally reach Stanger. And then, unless there was somehow some arrangement made to get to Durban with somebody or Tesla, otherwise by hitching a lift he'd come back. Already with a family, with one child, but he took all this in his stride. Now all this is continuing, and at that time, from the Kirk Street Masjid in Johannesburg, there was an offer made to him to come to the Kirk Street Masjid. And among the things that was told to him up front, that the salary will be 800 rands. With 90 rands, and with 800 rands. Almost seven, more than seven times more. So like somebody is earning 10,000 today, or somebody tells him, you come here, you 70,000. The issue was that he was given this offer. Some of the town people got to hear about this. So they came in some concern and worry that perhaps now Ma is going to pack up right now and go away. He heard about, he got the offer, received it, but he hadn't responded anything yet. So when some of the town people came, he told them, look, the last thing that is going to make me leave from here is any salary more than what I'm getting here. If there is some other specific need, one of the things he told them, look, the cold is very severe here. If something makes me move, it might be the cold. But I'm not going to move for the sake of any salary. You can be rest assured about that. So if you heard that this is the offer and that is making you concerned, you have no reason to worry about that. This is where I'm staying for now. And he remained there. And he remained there for a good time more thereafter until whatever the takaza became more important to move to escort. It wasn't any much more in terms of salary. It perhaps might be similar. But there were some further needs there. Until finally he was put under tremendous pressure by the seniors of that time. Abdullah Umurji Sahib, the Marhum Ansari Sahib at that time. And few others who had been the founder members of the Jamiyat of that time, of KZN. They were the founders of Jamiyat. Hazrat Maulana uh, Desai Sahib of Fittamarisburg, a few others, seven of them. So they put a lot of pressure on him to now move to Durban and be based in the office of the Jamiyat. And he was appointed as a secretary. That is the time when he moved across from Escort and came to Durban on this pressure of the Akabir of the time to come and take on this very important position, which he then continued with for a long time until others, alhamdulillah, had come in and he groomed them. One of the people that worked for a long time with him, as I said, all these things are without tertib as they come into mind. One person who worked for a long time, Abdurrahman Khan, he had not formally completed his studies at that time. And he was not somebody who could give any bayans, etc. at that time. But and now he was also an employee of the Jamiyat, born in, in the administration, meaning in the clerical side of things, doing the typing and doing these kind of things. He said, Mona trained me. He used to help me to write out a bayan. And because there was hardly any ulama at the time, now there was a need for Juma somewhere, 
His Mawlana used to actually, now he was another employee in the Jamiyat. And this was also a tremendous quality of that he would, that himmat afzai to others, grooming them, making them move forward, creating the means for them to be advanced. He says, he taught me how to go about this, would help me, would give me the mawad, would assist me to prepare it. Sometimes, I, if I remember correctly, he said, even listen to it. Until he managed to start doing his own preparation and mashallah, he used to give very good bayans. Now in this way, there were so many others that he groomed in that manner. I recall I had just finished off schooling at that time and it was another couple of months before starting off in Azadbal. So I spent a few months in Durban. I hadn't even seen the inside of a Dalloom or anything yet. I completed hymns but no exposure to anything else. And out of the blue one day while I was in Durban, they told me tomorrow you're going to, or this week, this week you're going to give the Jummah Khutbah. That was like the biggest shock of my life. I'm going to give the Jummah Khutbah. Where am I going to manage this? So no, no, he called for me, gave me the kitab, you go over this. Called me again, listened to it. Then two, three times in the course of that week, heard the khutbah, which I'm going to be reciting from looking inside the kitab. And there were some things that he corrected in the recitation. And this kind of himmat of Zayd. There were many young kafaz in the community, mashallah, who were mutasharri, etc. He would give them opportunities to perform the salah, to lead the salah in his masjid, as a kind of grooming as a kind of himmat of Zayt, to take them forward. This was a very good, but a very ajeeb quality of his. That always concerned to take others forward, to advance them, to create the means for them to move forward. So in any case, we are talking about this aspect of this advice that Sheikh Fakhruddin gave him, and this istighna that came as a result. That money didn't mean anything to him. Allah opened the doors for him from unseen sources, but it meant nothing to him. There were many people who told me, some while he was alive, many after he passed away. That when they came to him for something, sometimes some ulama, etc., they had a real problem. So he put his hand in his pocket, whatever came in his hand at that time. As far as his sakhawat and generosity is concerned, this was something which, again, those who worked with him or were close to him in the Jamiyat office at that time, I've heard personally from them, one of them was Mawlana Ahmad Umar Sahib, Dhamdarkatuhum, and others also, who had personally witnessed this. In fact, just about a few weeks back, met one person who used to work somewhere, but he had a very, like, because they were working in some place which was under the Jamia supervision at the time, so they used to interact with Mawlana a lot. So he says that it was a common thing among us, the simple ordinary worker, he says that there was a common thing among us that we used to call his top pocket the magic pocket. He said, anybody go and ask anything from him, his hand is gone in his pocket and something he, he'll give the person. So, this was his sahawad, one incident that happened once. That somebody, he was gone for Umrah and somebody came and gave one hadiyah to his son-in-law, elder son-in-law to give it to him. So he gave it to him in an envelope. He was a well-known person, somebody close as well. So in any case now, when he came and gave it, I opened it, so there was 10,000 riyals inside. 10,000 riyals. So now the person was, he wasn't a stranger, he was well-known, he gave the hadiyah out of his class. So he accepted it. But by the second day, in other words, within 48 hours, the last of those riyals were already spent dishing it out to others. 
the workers in the Haram Sharif. He would go to the Qabristan and give the workers. And Allah Ta'ala made it such that they were so used to receiving from him. Now that he is buried in Makkah Mukarramah, any South African comes, they expect, they immediately know something is coming out of respect for Azmana, this person also give me something. So, within 48 hours, that last bit of those 10,000 riyals were already spent on others. One person told me he met him in Makkah Sharif. This person was well known, meaning to Hazrat, because he was based at the, he was the Muslim of the Masjid in Karachi, Hazrat Shashi Mahtasar Masjid. So for a long time, when Hazrat would go there, he used to meet him, this person would make some khidmat also. Then he moved over to Hijaz. Mawlana had been on Umrah there, and this person happened to meet him. So he didn't see him for a long time, so he asked him, he said, no, I'm based here now. So he started asking him, how's everything going, whatever. Ah, he was just trying to still establish himself. So he mentioned some halat. So he said, Ma put his hand in his pocket. Whatever came, he didn't even see. Ma didn't see, he just put his hand and went away. He said, afterwards, and I opened up, this was a thousand riyals. So this was the kind of istighna he had. I recall this lesson of this istighna. That while I was still in Nazarbal, he had gone for Umrah, Allah Ta'ala had blessed him. But that was his love for the Haramin Sharifain, his love for Madinah Munawwara. And this was his tartib, which many then after started following in the same tartib. He would go, he would go straight to Madinah Sharif, spend a few days there, then come to Makkah Mukarramah, and then finally go back to Madinah Sharif and leave from there. And he had a tremendous ishq for the Haramin Sharifain. So in any case, he was gone for Umrah at that time. Allah Ta'ala blessed him with numerous asfar to the Haramain Sharifain. And somebody from Johannesburg was there, the person was coming back. Perhaps it might have been somebody from Azadwal, I can't recall. I was, if I remember correctly, it was in my third year, or second year or third year. So he wrote one letter from there. My ghaflat that I lost that letter. And ever so regretted it after the passed away, I searched for it high and low, but just couldn't find it. So I couldn't remember the contents of it, but one line or one piece of advice that he had given in that letter, now he was gone for Umrah, it was a four-page letter. Four-page letter of just nasihat. First some general things, some other aspects, whatever. And then four pages out of that three pages was just nasihat. Now this again, somebody's gone for Umrah, generally, nowadays the way it's gone, Umrah has become another outing, illa mashallah. But from there also, that same concern. Somebody is going back, he took time to sit down and write a four-page letter. And I don't think I was the only person receiving letters. Many were receiving letters from there. Any case, that one piece of advice that was there, now because we are already now going or trying to go in a similar line of talab ilm so he wrote there that the time would come when we would have to associate even with the wealthy. So our association with them must be for their benefit from our deen, not for our benefit from their wealth. That piece of advice stuck in my mind from that time. Allah give me tawfiq to make amal. We are far away from the amal, but that piece of advice is there. Allah's fazal that that one piece of advice got left in the mind, in the memory. But the rest of it, my ghaflat told me after now, when moving from Azadwal back to Durban, somehow it got misplaced and ever since couldn't find it. But this was the kind of istighna that Allah Ta'ala blessed him with. And he never took the asr from anybody's wealth. And never made, forget ishraf and wanting that wealth. If it came in his hands too, it was just gone. And he just made taqseem of it. 
So this was among those very salient qualities that he possessed in terms of these aspects. Then there are so many things. As far as his tawazu is concerned, we just touched on this right at the beginning. Allah Ta'ala had blessed him with tremendous tawazu. Tawazu is something that can't be explained in words. The hakikat of tawazu can never be explained in words. And somebody else's tawazu also can't be described in words. It's something that is to be experienced. All our kabir, mashallah, every one of them, without exception, they cannot be anybody that can reach any level of any maqam without these sifat. So mashallah, all their kabir, Allah Ta'ala has blessed them with all these sifat. Likewise, the Mawla also was tremendously blessed with tawazu. But as mentioned, you can't describe this. This is something that is experienced. And whoever came into contact with him, they couldn't leave without becoming impressed with his tawazu. Whether it was some worldly person, whether it was some learned person, whether it was somebody, whoever it might have been. And if they had some little interaction with him, that was something that won them over. To the extent that let alone those who were mu'taqid of him, even those who were, we call them, in some way they were his enemies maybe. Those who were opposed to him. Leave the word enemies, say opposed to him. Those who were in some other maslaka of some sort. But, so, in any case, what I was saying is that they couldn't leave without becoming impressed with his tawazu. One of the things that uh, was a common thing, many ulama, especially now at that time, were still young and would just maybe meet somebody and they didn't know what the relationship was, ask who you are and who's Mohammed Yusuf to you. So I would mention he's my elder brother. So immediately they would start talking something about him. And one of the things that bare mutawazi hai, ajeeb tawazu hai unki. Now this tawazu, what are they talking about? It was an experience that they had with him. And let alone the ulama, the learned, etc. One youngster, mashallah, was very close to Hazrat. I only asked him how, what, how your taluk started off. So he says, I was in my jeans and t-shirt and one day I came to Mawla in his masjid and I said to him that I want to discuss something, I need some time. So he said, okay, look, I got some visitors now, I'm going to go home now because it's Bihmana there, but I will come 3 o'clock here to the masjid, I'll meet you here. So if you can make it at that time, otherwise we'll schedule it for another time. So he said, no, I'm free, it was a Sunday afternoon, he said, no, I'll come at 3 o'clock. Any case about around quarter to three or just before three o'clock, Moa sent somebody to the masjid from house to find him and tell him, look, the mehman haven't left yet, I'm delayed. So, if you can pardon me, I'll come just now. Maybe it might be another half an hour or so, but I will come. He said, no, I had no problem with waiting, I waited. After about half an hour, Moa came. So he took me to the office, sat down. He said, I had all kinds of muddled up questions and things which were many things, un- just here and there, all my confusion and whatever else. He says, first he made me so comfortable, sat me down and asked me about myself, who am I, whatever else made me very comfortable. Then he asked me, okay, what your issues are? And whatever questions I had in a very calm way, and he says, I had a ajeeb, I was, he was in university at the time, I had a different mizaj and different tabiyat. Anything anybody asks me, I want reasons for it. Anything somebody tells me, anything somebody advises me, give me some advice or tells me something, I want to know why. And she says, that was exactly the thing I was doing in Hazrat Muhammad as well. 
He's saying something to me, I'm asking him why. So he's giving me the answer why. He's explaining to me on top of that. He says, by the time that one meeting was over, he says, I was completely melted. And he says, that became the start of this taluk. And I had just come just for the once off, just to get some confusions of my mind and heart. And he says, but this was a start. I think this was one of many, many, many people like this. Who he warned them over with that compassion, with that kindness, with that tawazu, without making anybody feel inferior in any way. And he would go out of his way to make, accommodate everyone, make everyone comfortable. This is something which is often said, don't judge anybody. Indeed, don't judge anybody. We can't judge anyone in terms of what is the end result. We can't say at the end result this person is going to be in Jannat or Jahannam. We don't know about ourselves. What are we going to know about anybody else? If somebody's wrong action, that will get judged that this wrong is wrong. Not that we're going to condemn the person openly there and there. We will not judge him in terms of the natija. Because we can't judge that. That is in the, Allah, the ilm of Allah Ta'ala. What is going to be the end result of somebody? Something that is wrong is wrong. But there's a way of how to going about rectifying that wrong. How to go about addressing that wrong. How to win the person to give up that wrong. And this was like many, alhamdulillah, all our kabir have this kamal in them of how to win the person and deal with him in such a way that he himself starts getting ihsas of his wrongs and starts giving it up. So this was one of the very other great qualities that he had. Then as far as his personal life is concerned, this is something which obviously others don't normally would get to know about it. But at home he was a totally different person. <coughs> person of that caliber, person who had that respect out there, that kind of following and all these things. But at home, he became very much part of the house. He had that kind of time for his family. There were times when Appa would be ill and they were in Umrah, etc. He would take care of cleaning that apartment. He would vacuum the place. Now this is we're talking about in that latter time where there were thousands of people calling him Hazrat and all the other titles and accolades. But behind those closed doors, Behind that four, in that four walls, this was his tertib. This was his way. As far as coming back to this aspect of tawazu, it was this very tawazu that took him to his heights. And that is obviously, man tawada alillah rafa'ahullah. It was in the time of already his uruj, when he was already very prominent, he was already very makbul, he had a great following of his own. And people were coming from far and wide to take benefit from him. But in that time, when already he had this, all this maqam and position, he found the need within himself to still go and subject himself to somebody. And this can only come and stem out of tawazu. At that pedestal and that level, at that maqam already, and at that time, Hazrat Shah Hakim Akhtar Sahib Rahmatullahi had already started coming to South Africa, it was his, perhaps his third safar, I think. Either the second or the third safar. Nazareth Mawa went and became bayat to him. Among the people we spoke earlier about du'as, these are, as I said, no tartib involved here. Among the people's du'as that he took was the du'as of his Shaykh, Hazrat Shaki Mahdi Tremendous du'as. And tremendous endorsement that he got from his own Shaykh. One is that the Murid, mashallah, praised the Shaykh. But the Shaykh praising the Murid is something else. Once one person from South Africa had gone to Karachi 
and he was sitting in Hazrat's company, just the two of them were there. And he mentioned something about Hazrat Maulana to Hazrat Shaki Makhlasar One incident of Hazrat Maulana. So Shaki Makhlasar said to him, Aise log bohat mushkil se milte hai. Then he said to him something further. He says, Main shukar karta hu ki Allah ta'ala nunka haat mere haat me de diya. The Sheikh is making shukar that Allah ta'ala gave him to me. That he'll become a sadqa jariya for me. So, among the du'as he took, he took tremendous du'as of Hazrat Shaki Makhlasar Rahmatullahi. Once while Hazrat was in Umrah, Hazrat Maulana was there as well. Hazrat Shaki Makhlasar Rahmatullahi had left from Madina Munawwara to come to Jiddah. And from Jiddah they were going to leave. The Maulana's flight was a few days later. So he was still there in Madina Munawwara. When they reached Madina Munawwara, one of the khuddam forgot Hazrat's one briefcase, which had a lot of important documents in there and whatever else. So they became very parishan immediately. They phoned Hazrat Maulana to say that, look, maybe this got left in the lobby of that hotel. Please go and check if it's there. And if it's there, please take it. So he came quickly down and he inquired from the reception. They had found it. It was there. They realized somebody forgot it. So they had already given him the description on the phone. So he gave the description, so they handed it over to him. So immediately phoned to give the news that, okay, I found this. It's there. I got it with me. So that was content now that somebody else was supposed to come two days later. So he said, okay, he's going to come certain day. You give it to him, he'll bring it. One of Hazrat Mutalliqin. The man says that, I said, okay, fine, I'll send it to so and so. He says, when I left from, well, after I cut the call, he says, I had just enough money left in my pocket at that time, which would be enough for a bus ticket from Madina Munawara to Jiddah and back. That was all that was left from the expenses of the suffer. He says, I immediately told my family, look, I'm just going to be gone for the night. I'll come back tomorrow. I'm just going to hand this to Hazrat directly. He says, I went to the bus station there. I caught a bus, came directly to Jiddah. And didn't tell anybody he's coming. Came directly to the, had made inquiry somehow beforehand where Hazrat is stationed. Came directly to the house and he knocked on the door. When the person of the house opened the door and he saw him, he knew him very well obviously, he got a shock of his life. That where did Ma'a come from? So he immediately went to Hazrat and gave him Ma'a Tashid Lai. He said, Ma'a, you He said, yes. Called him quickly. Aap kese aage? He says, no, I brought this and came. He said, why you brought it now and came? This is something that that person is coming to this time. He would have brought it and come. He says, I felt that my Sheikh's heart would be more at ease if it came in his hand. He says, the du'as that Hazrat gave me at that time, he says that I regard as one of those very special du'as that has played a very big role in whatever I have achieved. Then, one of the nights in Makkah Mukarramah, uh, in Madinah Munawara, it was late at night, and he says, suddenly out of the blue, this was Hazrat's Tartib, out of the blue, suddenly he would just get ready. Sometime past midnight, everybody had just gone to make aram, and Hazrat just woke up and he started walking, kaha ja bas abhi salam pesh karne ke liye ja So, Hazrat happened to be just present, he quickly joined him. One, two others joined him. He says he came, it was totally quiet. It was off season or whatever it might have been, he says, completely quiet. And he says, he came after having offered his salams and so on. Then he came very close to the Jali Mubarak. And he says he peered in for a long time. And then he says, he says that while I was there in the time while he was offering his salam, so I did something which at that time I don't know what made me do it. And I later on asked others, please, Ma, for whatever I did, but I don't know what overcame me. 
So while Hazrat was busy offering his salam, completely motionless there, so I went and I held on to his hand. And he sees it was like some electric shock that came into me. But I just remained standing still for the duration that I was there until he finished off. Then he says he stood at a long time, close to the Jali Mubarak, nobody even moved him away from there. And then he stood quietly there. After he left from there, he just said to him, Maulana Yunus Saab, aapke liye khub mang liya. Now, these are the du'as of parents, of asatiza, of mashayikh, which have a very tremendous impact. And this was his takya kalam of often that we surviving on the du'as of people. This was his tawazu, we surviving on the du'as of people. So, any case, all these things put together made him what he was. And it was this tawazu that made him at that time in his life, when he was held in such esteem, to become a humble murid of some great sheikh of the time. And then he conducted himself in that way. Many a time he would go to Karachi, he wouldn't even make it known. Whenever, with Allah Ta'ala's Tawfiq, we went many times from beforehand, try and make the arrangements, who's going to make the arrangements to fetch us at the airport? Many times Ma went, took a taxi himself, which was, the emphasis there was, don't do this because it's not safe to do it. But he would say, nahi, yaha talib ban kar ke aana hai, koi sheikh ban kar ke nahi aana hai. And he would just catch his own taxi. When he enters the Khanka, they come to know he reached. Or oh, he, he even came, they didn't know before that he was coming. And in this way, he would sit very, very, like any other very humble person, humble murid in that whole Khanka. And without anything, any mashikhat at that time, he totally made fun of himself in the company of his chef. And that became one of the very big advancements in his life. This was also that tawazo that at that point in time, he went and humbled himself in this way. He found the need for it. He found that to be necessary. And throughout his, till the end of his life, this was among the very big prominent aspects in his life. As long as his asatiza, the Muslim Ahmad etc. were alive, he kept a very close taluk with them. Again, another point that's coming to mind in terms of the taluk he had with his asatiza and their endorsement of him. When it was in 93, just after Ramadan, about a month after Ramadan, few weeks after Ramadan, Al Mawah suddenly made a suffer to the open. Al Mufti Muhammad was alive at that time and he went specially to meet him. So when he came, he met Hazrat Muhammad Muhammad said, Mawana Sahib, this is Shawwal ka suffer kesa? Everybody comes often, the Tartibis, they come in Ramadan, some before, you came in Shawwal. Shawwal ka safar kaysa so Maa Sayyidah replied and said yeh bas ek takhaza ho gaya ke aana hai so he said replied and said nahin mera takhaza tha ke aap hai and on that occasion Hazrat had given him khilafat as well so he says when Hazrat gave this khilafat and ijazat it was a few months before that that he had made rujus with Hazrat Shah Hakim Akhtar Sahib Rahmatullah Ali and Hazrat had given him ijazat as well so he said I put forward this to, this to Hazrat of this habit, may to Hakim Akhtar Sahib say, Unke taraf rujju kar chuka ho, isme kya hoa? So, this was that, and the du'as of all these akabir. So, as mentioned at the beginning, MashaAllah, all our akabir, they haven't just become, Sheikh Hamutullah Ali, he used to say that those who look at the latter part of the Masha'i's lives, 
And if they focus on that and see, mashallah, what ikram and istiqbal and whatever else. And like Sheikh Hamdulillah mentioned, in the latter part of the mashayikh life, somebody sees all that istiqbal and that ikram. And, and if he thinks this is it, this is gumrah ho jayenge. must look at the early part of their life. The mujahada they made at that time. What kind of sacrifices were made. The things that we discussed earlier. What kind of qurbani to remain in that little town. And the main reason to remain in that little town, there is no alim in this whole vast area. And if I am going to go away to Kirk Street, based on that offer of 800 rands compared to 90 rands, then this whole place will be left without any alim. They don't have anybody for their masail. They got some something to find out. Sometimes nikah to perform, janazas, whatever. There's nobody around. On that basis he remained. Now that kind of qurbani, and then making fana of themselves. So all these things are what brings about that end result. And Hazrat Mawla's sakhawat, just on that note, uh, one of the incidents that comes to mind, one brother mentioned to me one day, that Hazrat Mawla was quite close to them, he used to come off into their house, etc. They used to call him, one of the ulama there, his elder brother. So he says that one day Hazrat Mawla was coming to the place, or had been there, and one person from the area, as probably they came out or they were outside the yard, and one person from the area, some person who had some of his own weaknesses, whatever habits, he used to keep going every now and again to Mawla's house to ask him for some money. So in any case, he saw Mawla, he, he thought now, Mawla is in my area now, this is Hanimat, I have to go all the way there normally. So he's already here, so he came immediately and started asking for something. So Mawla gave him 10 rands. Now 10 rands we're talking about 30, 40 years ago. 30 years ago at least. So 10 rands was a significant amount. This person became a bit vulgar. So what do you think I'm going to do with this? Can I do anything with this? And he, beca- he started become, becoming abusive. So he said, Mawla kept quiet. His brother is saying, I started reprimanding this person. What's your problem? How can you talk like this? The so Mawla kept quiet. He jumped in his car and he went away. So in any case, this brother says, I reprimanded him. And he also went away. He says, later now, because it was in our area, I saw this by chance. He said, I was coming back at night after Isha from somewhere. I suddenly noticed Mawla is outside this person's door. Because I was passing there, he said, I just noticed, I just happened to look in the direction. Mawla came to give him something more. After that abuse, after that vulgarity, and after having given him something already in any case, but now because this is how he responded, Mawla came all the way back to give him something more. And this is something which I noticed so many times. This was his, it was just something that was, his hands were just free in giving, and there was no name of asking anybody anything, any ishraf from anyone. It was always that humility, humbleness, traveling without any kind of airs. There were one or two khuddam who would insist and travel with him, and that too when he became ill after those few heart attacks he had, others would insist also that no, you should take somebody along. Otherwise he didn't want any of these things. But this was the combination of all these sifat. And again, as mentioned, that kitab, Allah walo ki maqbooliyat ka raz, all the Allah walas, it's all the sifat combined in them. That taqwa, that khashiyat, which Allah ta'ala had blessed Hazmat to a great extent as well. Allah ta'ala give me, first and foremost, even one iota of this. Hamara bhi kaam ban jaye. Allah ta'ala bless us all. Wa akhiru da'wana, alhamdulillah.